Well, good morning. My name is Drew Thorwall. And you know, as I'm watching that, I'm thinking, have you ever felt like that? Have you ever wondered if there's more than this? As we dive into the joy story this morning, we're coming into a pivotal moment for the people that were following Christ. As you saw in that first video, as they're, they're sitting in a room together, people who are, are sitting in that room together because they believed Jesus when he said that there was more than this, more than what they had known, that there was something bigger that was going on, that they could be a part of it. But now they're sitting in a, in a time when Jesus had been arrested, Jesus had been killed, and three days later, Jesus had risen from the, the grave. He did a, a, several more days of ministry before he went back to heaven. And now they're sitting here wondering, what happens next? Jesus has, has gone back to heaven and, and we're just sitting here and we're just kind of waiting. You know, what now? What do we do? And what you saw in that, in that uh, video is something that's called Pentecost. And it was a moment several weeks after Jesus had left when the Spirit of God came upon his followers and sent them out to begin spreading the message about who Jesus is what he did, and the truth of what he had been teaching them. And one of the people that was in that room was Peter. Now, we learned a little bit about Peter last week. Peter was an opportunity taker. Peter was somebody whom Christ came to, and, and Peter had to understand that it was not how much it cost, but how much it was worth. And he made a decision to follow Christ. That he was going to begin to explore who Jesus was and, and, and what it would really mean to see if Jesus was what he said he was. And essentially what, what Jesus was saying to Peter was that you can be changed and you can change the world. If you remember the moment when, when Jesus called Peter, Peter was going about his business. He was sitting in a boat. He was fishing. He was a fisherman. He was pretty good at it. Yeah, he'd made a good living for himself. You know, and, and I'm a fisherman. I'm not that good at it. I'm certainly not making a living for myself by fishing. But if you like fishing, you know that there are times where you're sitting at the end of the dock or you're sitting out on the boat and you're not catching anything. And Peter had one of those times. He fished all night long and got nothing. But then Jesus walks up and says, well, why don't you try the other side of the boat? It's kind of like, come on, Jesus, I've been out here all night. You think I didn't try that side of the boat? But okay, you know, well, let's see what happens. Puts the net out the other side, gets the biggest haul of fish he's ever had. Now, as a man who loves to fish... If I sat outside all day catching nothing, moving the boat all around the bay, getting no action, and Jesus said, try over here. And I, I was already there. And then I caught like that big fish that, that you always talk about, but you didn't really catch. If you actually caught that one, I'd say, okay, Jesus, what else do you want to do? <laughs> I'd be ready to follow. You know, this was a moment for Peter that he decided to take the opportunity, but it was more than just fishing, right? And you know what they say, if you, if you teach a man to, if you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. But if you teach a man to fish for other people, Jesus says you can change the world. And you know, when we see in that video, as, as Peter is sitting in the room with these other followers of Christ, he's the one who's kind of cool and calm and collected. And when they begin to, to wonder, well, how long is it going to take? When is the Spirit going to come? What do we do? It's, it's Peter who's saying, well, I think we should pray. You know, the Spirit will come when the time is right. And you see that he's got a confidence in, in whatever God's plan is, whatever God's timing is. And, but this is one of the things that I love about Peter and why I love studying his life. Because sometimes I look, at, I look at other followers of Christ, I look at people around me, and I think, man, everybody is cool, calm, and collected except me. 
Right? Everybody's got this thing figured out and everybody seems to know what, what God wants to do with their life except me. How am I the only one who doesn't know what's going to happen next? You know, Peter was like that too. Peter wasn't always confident. He wasn't always cool, calm, and collected. But there was a change in Peter's life because of his experience with Jesus. And so one of the things we see is that Peter was trained by the Master. You can turn the page there for me. Peter was trained by the Master, and, and part of what Jesus was inviting him into was something that was relatively common at that time. You know, sometimes as you read the New Testament, you'll see that people call Jesus Rabbi. Rabbi is a word that means either teacher or master. And there was, it was common at that time that rabbis would travel around and, and gather followers to themselves to be able to teach them. And so this is part of what Jesus is inviting Peter to. And, and so Peter, being a fisherman, would understand this. You know, it's sort of like an apprenticeship, that he would have a chance to learn from somebody. And the way that relationship basically works is if, if, if I follow you, if you're my rabbi, you're my master, then you're going to teach me everything you know. I'm going to follow you every day. I'm going to spend all of my time with you learning what you know, basically learning to be like the master. And this is what Peter's taking an opportunity to do. But it's not just learning how to fish. You see, Peter's also being invited on a spiritual journey. And I found it uh, pretty interesting. I was doing some research this week. And did you know the University of Minnesota has a Center for Spiritual Well-Being and Healing? I didn't know that. But at, at the Center of Spiritual Well-Being and Healing at the University of Minnesota, they did a, a bunch of research on people. Uh, people who, from, from many different faiths, people who uh, claim no faith. And basically what they found was that regardless of what we think about what we believe, whether we consider ourselves religious or not, that everybody has spiritual needs, that everybody has spiritual questions, questions like, is there a God? And if there is, who is he? Questions like, is there meaning to life? Do things happen for a reason? When bad things happen, is there meaning in that? And how do we understand that? You know, what does it mean to be human? You know, what does it mean for, for me, for Drew, to be the best Drew that I can be? What does that look like? And that everybody has these kinds of spiritual questions. And, and part of what Jesus was offering to Peter, that he's offering to you this morning, is he says, you know what, if you follow me, I've got answers to those questions. And I love this about Peter's life, because for, for all the confidence that he has in that room, in the video clip that we saw, Peter's journey did not start with all the answers. You know, Peter was a guy who made, who made many mistakes and, and missteps along the way. And by seeing his story carried out through the Gospels, through the book of Acts, and even in the letters that he himself wrote, we see the way that God began to change him. And so Peter was trained by the Master. And being a fisherman and, and living close to water, a lot of the moments that uh, Jesus and Peter shared together happened in a boat. And there's another one that I want you to pick up on. Along with the moment in the boat when he was actually called to follow Jesus, he had another moment sometime later that's recorded in Matthew chapter 14. And this was a time when Jesus had been teaching people about the kingdom of God, but then he was tired. So he went across the Sea of Galilee to get some rest. But when he goes, he tells his followers, this close-knit group of people that are spending the most time with him, he says, in a little while, come after me. Meet me on the other side. Okay. So a little bit later, they hop in the boat. They start going across the Sea of Galilee. As they're going, a tremendous storm hits. Huge waves, huge wind. And so they don't even know if they're going to survive this trip across 
the sea. But as they're going, it says it was the middle of the night. It was dark. And then they see something out in the water. And they kind of start to freak out. Because it looks like there's actually somebody walking on the water. Let's watch. Now think about that moment out on the sea. Now, now think about yourself being in that boat. Right, because cause Peter is the kind of guy that likes to shoot first and ask questions later. Right, Peter tends to be confident, maybe even impetuous, tends to stick his foot in his mouth a little bit. So if somebody's going to get out of the boat, it's not necessarily surprising that it's Peter. But, but think about wh- wh- where you might be in a situation like that. Are you Peter? Are you the person who wants to take that opportunity, who wants to jump at that chance? You know, he's thinking that he agreed to follow Jesus and, and he wants to show him that he's learning. He wants, he wants Jesus to see that he's invested. Or, or maybe you're more like me. You're sitting in the back of the boat and you're thinking, Pete, what are you doing, man? <laughs> Can you see those waves? Can you see that wind? This is not a good... I know it's Jesus, but come on, man. You know, but Peter's willing to take that chance. You know, I think it's fascinating that, that when people read this part of Peter's life, you know, a moment that, that you can only imagine how he reflects on this from this day forward. There's kind of two different pieces that people want to focus on. And one of them is that first piece, that he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And they look at the incredible faith that Peter must have had to be able to take that step. You know, that, that, that he was in a moment where he said, Jesus I really believe that you are who you say you are. You heard somebody in the video say he is the Messiah. That this was like a moment of realization. And that Peter had the guts to step out in faith. But other people focus on the second piece here. Where Jesus responds to him in the moment that Peter suddenly loses his focus on Christ. You know, and there's a sense in which he had, he had seen God's plan for him. He had, he had heard Jesus say, take a step forward. Come closer to me. Know who I am. Follow me, even into the storm. And Peter took that step, but then his confidence was shaken. His faith was shaken. He looks back. He, he loses focus just a little bit. And his doubt makes him sink. And Jesus says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You know, I think that, that what's worth focusing on is probably somewhere in between these two. Because this highlights for us that it's not, it's not Peter making this happen because Peter is so great and Peter is so confident and, and Peter just knows what's up and Peter gets it right every time. You know, he's like this close to getting it right, but he's still human, just like any of us. And so he stumbles. But you don't see Jesus leave him. You know, for all the mistakes that Peter makes in his life, Jesus never leaves him behind. But Jesus teaches him. And so Peter mastered faith through doubt. And I think that's such an encouragement to see somebody who becomes such a a pillar of the Christian faith, so important to the beginning of the church after Jesus left, who experienced doubt on a regular basis, who had to wrestle through issues like this. Because you know what? I've been there too. You've probably been there too. You might be there right now with questions that you don't have the answers to. But we see Peter was able to follow even though he didn't have it all together. He was willing to take the next step. I think that's critical. And so as you think about yourself in this kind of a moment, I want you to realize that you're in that kind of a moment right now. I know we're not in a boat, and I know we're not in a storm, 
But you are somewhere in your life with trials all around you, with plenty of things that would blow you off course or make you sink. But Jesus is saying, come to me. Take the next step. I want you to think about what that might look like for you. You know, maybe that's something as simple as, as stopping by the hearth room after a service and just taking that step. You know, maybe you're not even ready to, to ask your questions yet, but you're just open to, to meeting somebody else who says they're a follower of Christ and seeing if, if maybe they're an okay person after all. You know, but maybe you have questions that you'd like to ask, and that's a great place to do it. Or, or maybe the next step for you is, is you want to dig a little bit deeper. You want to surround yourself with other people who have questions. Other people who are trying to dig in and find out who Jesus is. And maybe you want to try a small group. A small group where you can be surrounded by people who are exploring who he is and what he does and the difference that's made in their lives, the difference that could make in your life. Or maybe that step is is even a little more personal. And maybe it's just that, that this week, you'll pick up the Bible for yourself. And just read for a few minutes and let Jesus speak for himself about who he is and how he wants to bless you. As you think about those steps, I'd encourage you, if you thought of something just now, don't save it, but go after it like today. You know, and and, and understand that that even if you have kind of a Peter moment where you're like, "I'm, I'm ready, let's do it. And then you kind of falter a little bit. Jesus is still right there. He reaches into that water. He picks you back up. He says, let's keep walking. I'll show you what's next. Peter was trained by the master and Peter mastered faith through doubt. He had to go through moments like this to learn the way that he could really trust Jesus. You know, it reminds me a little bit of learning how to ride a bike. You know, when when your parents first take the training wheels off and you think you've got it because you think dad's holding on to the back of the bike, right? There's a moment when, when dad lets go and you're just, you're just riding and everything feels good. And then you say, hey, dad, this is, oh, I'm alone. What do I do? And that's when you wipe out, right? That's when you, when you look back, when you lose that confidence in what he's taught you and what he's prepared you for. But you need those moments because then you realize, you know, I wiped out this time because I looked backwards, but I was doing it. What he taught me really worked. What he taught me really changed me. I used to not be a bike rider, and now I can ride a bike. That's what Jesus is teaching us. You know, part of that process for Peter, part of that process for us, is that we need to learn to put our confidence not in ourselves, not in our own plan, but in God's plan for us. Peter was a confident guy, but Peter was confident in Peter. And now he's being asked to put his confidence in somebody else's plan. And if you turn the page, you'll see that that as Peter was trained by the master, Peter mastered confidence through correction. And I want to share another another learning moment with you from Peter's life. And this uh, this is kind of an intense moment, but I love this because this comes out of Mark chapter 8. Now Mark was not one of the original 12 disciples, But he wrote one of the Gospels, and so he had to get his information from somewhere. You know where he got his information? Mark got most of his information from Peter. Which means that that what I'm about to share with you came from the honesty of Peter's own heart to pass this story on. That we might be able to learn from it. This is another moment where they're spending time as Jesus is teaching them. And they've just had a moment where Peter got it so right. 
Jesus asked them, who are people saying that I am? You know, as, as Jesus was traveling and doing miracles and healing people and teaching, some people thought he was a prophet. Some people mistook him for John the Baptist. Jesus says to his closest followers, who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks first, not a surprise, but he says, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the fixer. You are the Savior. You are the one we've been waiting for. The one that God sent to us to make everything right. To make everything how it was supposed to be. All right, he nails it. Gets this question 100% right. And then just moments later, this is what happens in Mark chapter 8, starting with verse 31. And Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man, which is a term that Jesus uses to refer to himself, Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. It says he spoke this word openly. Now, we've already seen that this prophecy came true. But at the moment when Jesus was teaching them this, he was looking to a future that his disciples didn't understand yet, that Peter didn't understand. And in this moment, Peter doesn't want to buy in to a plan of suffering. Right? You're supposed to be the Messiah. You're supposed to be a king. You're supposed to be a victor. And, and what's going to happen? Who, who's, who's going to arrest you? Who's going to kill you? And so Peter has got his own plan. And what it says is that Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Peter, who just recognized this man as God's chosen one, takes him aside and says, but I don't think you understand how the plan needs to work, Jesus. But again, look at Jesus respond to Peter. It says, when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now, again, this could be a moment where Jesus says, oh, and you're out of the group. All right. You don't get it. You're causing more trouble than you're worth. So thanks anyway, but you don't seem to get it. All right, but he doesn't. Now, this is a harsh word, right? You're following the Son of God. You're following the Christ. And he says, get behind me, Satan. That's the enemy. You, what? How, but I... Now, Peter's trying his best to be invested, but he doesn't quite get it. And so Jesus corrects him. But this gives Peter confidence. We'll see in a minute the way that Peter's life changes. But at this moment, he's focused on survival. Right? Suffering is a thing to be avoided. We don't need to go through that, but Jesus has a different plan. See, Jesus is focused on God's plan, and he's focused on serving others. No matter the cost, no matter what it takes, because it's not how much it costs, it's how much it's worth. And Peter is being trained by the Master to begin to understand this, but his process continues. He's still not there yet. Even after this moment, Peter has other moments where, where he just has these major ups and downs. You know, if you remember the night that Jesus was arrested, they go into the Garden of Gethsemane, Roman soldiers come pouring into the garden, and they arrest Jesus. And Peter's there. Now, Peter has learned that Jesus was going to suffer, and Jesus was going to be killed. He rebuked Jesus for that, and Jesus said, no, that really is the plan. This has been the plan all along. You can check the Old Testament. So Peter's learned this now, right? So when the soldiers come to arrest Jesus, he says, oh, this is that part he was talking about. Okay, here we go. Wrong. All right? 
I said Peter's a guy who likes to shoot first and ask questions later. You might also say he's a guy who likes to chop off ears first and ask questions later. When the soldiers show up to arrest Jesus, Peter's still thinking survival. Avoid suffering. This is not a place we want to go. He pulls his sword. He chops the dude's ear off. And Jesus looks at him again and says, still not getting it. In fact, Jesus heals that guy's ear right then and there. Later that same night, just as Jesus had predicted, Peter denied even knowing Jesus. Three times. Now think about, think about those dark moments that Peter would have experienced. And what's crazy about this, the way that God works and just the circumstances that Peter finds himself in, he denies Jesus. Somebody says, hey, aren't you one of those Jesus followers? No, man, no. He was arrested. He's probably a bad dude. Somebody asks him again. No, man, I'm pretty sure that I, I think you're one of those guys. Peter says, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not. Okay. Then he gets in hot water because the third person who asks him is a relative of the guy whose ear he cut off. They say, no, man, I am sure that it was you because Tony's missing a piece of his ear. And he, he said it was you, man. <laughs> Jesus says, uh, Peter says, no. Like he's already caught. But he denies it anyway. He denies Jesus. Remember, this is that same guy that was sitting in that room with the other followers and said, be patient, wait for God's plan. The Spirit will come. So what gives? You know, how do we go from here to there? Well, it's because more than just being trained by the Master, Peter was being changed by the Master. If you turn the page... And you remember that, that first video that we saw, that where we saw the moment of Pentecost. We saw that, that Peter, through the death and resurrection of Jesus, finally made sense of this whole thing. It finally clicked for him. That he had learned these lessons and that, that he had seen that, that the message that Jesus was teaching was true. That the answers that Jesus gave to his questions were real. That they actually made a difference. And so it's a different Peter who shows up in the book of Acts. And you know, you think about this. If you knew Peter, if you saw Peter, you know, in the Gospels, he's like everything that we think is wrong with Christians. Violence, hypocrisy. You know, Peter's got all of these things mixed in. And yet in the book of Acts, he's confident. He's focused. He's at peace. He's serving others. He's suffering. And in all of it, he sees the joy of being a follower of Jesus. Well, one of these moments where, where we really understand this is with Cornelius. You know, if you want to think about what happens when somebody like Peter is no longer just exploring Jesus, when he's no longer just observing Jesus, but he actually becomes changed by Jesus. When he becomes ready to be a world changer. Then you get moments like this because Roman soldiers showed up at Peter's house. Now, you remember what happened the last time Peter saw Roman soldiers? Okay, guess what happens this time? Come on in. Why don't you stay the night? All right, these soldiers show up and say, Cornelius, the centurion, big time in the army, wants to see you. He says, okay, spend the night. We'll go tomorrow. So they do. And they travel together. And I want you to watch what happens when he gets to Cornelius' place. You know, I love that God does some of these things on purpose to make sure we know exactly whose plan is going to win out in the end. You know, because he could have picked anybody to have a moment like that. But he picks Peter. Peter, who was, who was chopping the ears off of Romans, who was in, in just total survival mode. And now he's face to face with a Roman centurion 
who wants to know more about Jesus. He's face to face with another person who's at the beginning of a journey that Peter himself has gone through. Another person who wants to know more about who Jesus is, who has those same kinds of questions about, is there a God, and, and if there is, who is he? Who, those same kinds of questions about the, the meaning of life, and, and what does it mean for Cornelius to be the best Cornelius that he can be? And what does it mean for Peter, who has been changed, that now he has mastered joy through serving others? You saw in the montage video earlier in the service that, that at, at, from this moment on, Peter is traveling. He's healing in the name of Jesus. He's teaching in the name of Jesus. When people tell him, stop teaching in the name of Jesus, he and the other followers of Christ say, no, <laughs> we can't do anything but speak the power of the name. Speak the words that God has given us to speak. And this is his message to Cornelius as well in Acts chapter 10, which you just witnessed a part of here. Peter says, and he, Jesus, commanded us to preach to the people, to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. See, Peter's life has taken, taken a pretty big turn from just a, a fisherman out on a boat. This is what Jesus was telling him. This is what Jesus was promising him. When he said, if you follow me, I will change you. And through me, you will be a part of changing the world. Peter has become a fisher of men. Cornelius' life will never be the same because of the impact of Peter on him. You know, I think about a moment like that. You know, think about those, those followers of Jesus sitting in that room on that day, not knowing how to continue or if they'll be able to at all. And then think about you and me sitting here this morning. There's thousands of years of history in between there. Just geographically speaking, thousands of miles and, and dozens of countries and how many people in between that room and this room. And yet here we sit with an opportunity to know Jesus better, to take a next step to master faith even through our doubt, to master confidence even through correction because of the faithfulness of some people whose lives were changed by Jesus. You realize we can be a part of that too. But there's another layer of this joy that belongs to Peter that you would never expect from somebody like this. Because if you turn the page, what's, what's interesting is that Peter himself, as he becomes a leader for the church, he actually wrote a couple letters what we have in the New Testament that we call 1 Peter and 2 Peter. And in, in 1 Peter, the, really the, the main message of that letter is how we experience joy through suffering. Now, Peter is going to teach us that. Peter, who rebuked Jesus for saying that suffering was part of the plan. Peter, who denied Jesus to avoid his own suffering. Peter, who, who when Roman soldiers showed up to cause suffering, fought back with a sword. But now look at what he says when he writes a letter to other followers of Christ to encourage them as they're being trained by the Master and changed by the Master. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. He says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. 
That's just the tip of the iceberg of, of this letter that Peter writes. And we saw him live that in his own life. That as he was out there serving, he was beaten for it. You saw him spitting the blood. He was arrested for it. In fact, one of the times that he was arrested, he was miraculously released from prison. And so you would think, okay, well, I know Peter. This is the moment he realizes it's no longer worth it. This is the moment he quits, right? Wrong. As soon as he gets out of jail, you know what he's doing? Talking to people about Jesus. Helping people find the answers to their spiritual questions. And ultimately, although it's not recorded in the New Testament, the tradition that, that is brought down tells us that Peter, like most of the disciples, was actually killed for what he believed. Killed for living this out. But when you read these verses, you realize that that, that brings him joy. That the joy of serving others, the joy of seeing lives like Cornelius changed, the way that Peter's was changed was worth it. And he goes on in, in verses 7 to 9 of 1 Peter chapter 1 to, to say that, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You know, Peter had in mind an audience like us. None of us have seen Jesus in the flesh like Peter did. But he says that even though we do not see him, yet believing, we rejoice with inexpressible joy. You know, that's something that, that you really can't describe. But if you felt it, when you read these words, you realize Peter gets it. And Peter went to Cornelius' house because he wants Cornelius to get it. Peter wrote this letter because he wants us, he wants me, he wants you to get it. Peter is somebody who was changed. And through his change, he became part of God's plan to change the world. And you know, that's really what we're being invited into. If you turn the page, what I want you to realize is that, that you can get there too. Just like Peter, for whatever doubts you have, for whatever mistakes you think you've made, for whatever times you feel like maybe you've let God down or let Jesus down or, or, or took your focus off of him and sank into that sea, he lifts us up. He lifts us back up. He says, take that next step. He says, follow me. He says, I will change you and we're going to change the world. And so you can change. You can move from doubt to faith. You can move from confidence in your own plan to confidence in God's plan. From that survival instinct, just like Peter had. Because, you know, Peter, he had a business and it was going well. He had a family and people that he cared about. What happens to that business? What happens to them? If I really go all in for Jesus, even though all my questions may not be answered yet, if I say, okay, Jesus, I'll take the next step. You, know, you might have a business. You've got a job. Maybe things are going well. Maybe they're not. But you've got people you care about. What happens to all of that if you really say, okay, Jesus, show me what's next? That's where we learn the confidence. That the confidence is not in our own plan, but it's in the plan that God has for us. Because you know what? When we look at ourselves, we see limitations. 
You know, when I look at myself, I, I think I know what I'm capable of. I think I know what I can do. And it only goes so far. But when God looks at us, through God's eyes, you know what he sees? Everybody in this room is a potential world changer. And we can experience joy through serving others for God's plan, even in the midst of, of any circumstance. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for people like Peter. I thank you for his faithfulness to you, Lord. I thank you for his willingness even to share some of these stories with the other disciples and with Mark, that they could write them down for us, that, that we might see that, that uh, he stumbled just like we do, Lord. And God, you know where each and every one of us are this morning. You know what's in our hearts. You know the questions that we have. You know that, that there's a part of us that is seeking you, God, that just wants to know what is your plan and what does that look like for me and, and, and what does it really mean? God, I ask that you would meet us there. That we might be willing to, to take the next step and that you would show us what it is. That we might have our spiritual questions answered. That we might experience the kind of change that Peter experienced and have the kind of impact that he did because of you in his life. God, we ask these things in your holy name. Amen. Thanks, guys. And Drew, thank you for reminding us to take the next step, whatever that might be for you. You know, if you came uh, this morning and came prepared to give, we have offering boxes outside the chapel doors. If you have questions about Horizon, uh, we would love to greet you. Please stop by the hearth room. Third door on the left, and we would love to put a name with a face down there. Thanks for coming, and we'll see you next week.